The Pasuk says, And the children grew up. Who are we talking about over here? We're referring, of course, to Esav and Yaakov, two twins that are born into uh, one mother. They could not be more different one than the other. But until a certain time, the children grew up and they were exactly the same. And Esav was a person who really knew how to hunt. A man of the field. And Yaakov was a simple and innocent and a complete person. He would sit in the tents of Torah and he would study Torah. Number one, I just want to point out from this Pasuk, what do we see? A person sometimes thinks that when they're witnessing their two children as they're going through their developmental stages, they think that they understand who the child's going to become. Because they're looking and they say, look, the kid, he goes to the shiur, he goes to pray, he does his thing. But look at this pasuk and you see something actually radically different. That although at a young age they're doing something, sometimes there's a kind of a moment of adolescence or a moment where there's a departure from the way that they were as a young child and they become as a young adult. So how important it is to always focus our efforts and never to let go of the reins of chinuch, of educating our children, because the job of education is not done until the kid is a parent himself, until the kid has raised his own teenagers, uh, until the very, very last moment, you still have what to teach your kids. We've quoted this line quite a few times already. The line is quoted in the name of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says that a person um, in the beginning of his life should do whatever he can do. And in the, in the evening, don't, uh, don't rest your hand. What does that come to include? We saw one example of it in the, in the parasha last week. But first, let me share with you what it meant to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, in, the, in his quote-unquote youth, he raised 24,000 Talmidim. What happened to those 24,000 Talmudim, each and every one of them? Unfortunately, they died during the period of uh, Pesach to Shabuot. And that is the reason for the mourning for, uh, during uh, the period of the Omer. However, what's fascinating is that the entirety of the transmission of the Torah, the entirety of Torah Sheba Al-Peh happens because Rabbi Akiva starts again with his five new students. In the evening, if you think you're done, do not lay your hand down. From this we also learn that if a person is married as a young man, even though they feel to themselves, you know what, I've had my, I had my kids already. They should get married again, they should have more children. Even if a person is uh, uh, finished with their, their even, even if they've already had as many children as they can have, and they're an older person and they can't have more children, a person should try and get married again for various reasons. A person is married, it saves him uh, uh, from other sins and other things, and it also gives him the opportunity to grow in his midot and in his ma'asim tovim, because there's nothing that fixes your midot. Uh, other than a marriage. And if there's nothing that brings out your worst midot than your marriage, then maybe your marriage is not the marriage you need to be in. However, this idea of ba'erev al-tanach yadecha, I learned a great element of Musar in this concept. What it means is that not just in the morning and in the evening, there's a person in the early stages and the late stages, is a person obligated to put an effort in their Torah, in their ma'asim tovim, in their development, but also in the beginning and in the end of each process a person is obligated to put in full efforts into something. You started a mitzvah, what do we say? We tell him to finish. That's also an expression of this. In the morning, putting effort, and also in the evening, in the latest stages of the development of a mitzvah. The same thing is true for raising children. You do that effort when you take them to school, and then you think, finished, I'm chalas, the kid's a teenager already. Uh, you know, how much more do I have to do? He's an independent adult. 
It's not true. Because although he has the education of a child, he hasn't yet reached the education that you should give him as an adult. The education that you can give him, the support that you can give him, the encouragement that you can give him as a teenager when he's semi-independent. And then when it comes time to get married, have you educated him yet how to pick a partner? Have you educated him how to raise children, how to treat his wife? There's a wealth that we can give over to our children. And of course, they are our primary responsibility. And the children grow old. He's someone who's your He knows how to hunt. A man of the field. There's a separation between knowing how to hunt and being a man of the field. And our rabbis teach us that Esav was not only someone who knew how to hunt animals. And by the way, he knew how to hunt animals in a way that no one ever knew how to hunt animals. What's the proof? Our rabbis teach us that Yitzhak Avinu asks Esav to go hunt animals for him to prepare later on the, the animals the, the, way he, the way he loves them. He's relying on Esav Arashaz Shehita. Esav is literally shooting bows and arrows and fulfilling the mitzvah of shahita. Now, listen to this. I don't know if anybody knows. The process of shahita requires a, a, a cut on the neck. No, never show it on your own self. The process requires a shahita on the neck where there's no pressure put. That's called the halakhot of dirisa. You can't push the knife against the makoma shahita. It needs to almost be done the way someone plays a violin. It's just drawn across. The knife can't have even the tiniest nick. It's completely with the sharpness of the knife. That's why they have to do bidika. They check with their nail a knife to see if they can feel anything on the edge of the knife, which would indicate that that would tear instead of, uh, instead of cutting in the, in the best and most humane way that is possible within the context of, of a slaughter of shahita. So if Esav was able to do shahita with a bow and arrow, we can understand how good he was at his craft. However, Rabotai, there are two separate things here. There is a huntsman in Esav in the field, Ish Sadeh, but there's a huntsman as well, which is separately Yodeat side. And how do we know this? Because it says Ish and Ish. He's not Ish Yodeat Said Basadeh. He's Ish Yodeat Said and he is Ish Sadeh. Two things. This concept allows us to understand the Chachamim when they tell us that he was someone who knew how to trap people in court. He knew how to use his language to hunt and to trap people. The example that's brought is once he went into a courthouse and they were trying to elicit a confession from a criminal. And he asked the criminal, instead of asking him, did you do it? Are you guilty? Are you this? Are you that? He got him in conversation. He says, tell me, uh, which tool did you use to commit the act? And the guy, he says, oh, I use an axe, oh, I use the knife. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy didn't realize because he kind of, he almost made, went beyond the assumption that the guy, and, he, and the guy tripped up. He was able to do this. Even his father, by the way, he tricked his father, Yitzhak Avinu. How does he trick Yitzhak Avinu? He came to him and he said, how does one give Tirumah uh, Maaser? How does one get, how does this, someone obligated to give Tirumah Maaser from salt? Made him think that he was so religious that he was even doing things that you don't even have to do. So he was someone who knew how to entrap people. And Yaakov was someone who knew how to sit in the Ba'at Midrash and learn. Rabotai, what we witnessed from here, this clever uh, approach that Esav had, could you imagine that that would have been channeled in the right way? Could you imagine that Esav would have been able to get to a place 
to get to a place where he could have used it in the proper way. And I always think about this example, where the Chachamim give us two examples of Esav's ability to, to use his brain and to use his logic and to use his trickery. One example is where he's asking his father and he's feigning innocence and he's feigning piety and righteousness. But the other answer is where he's actually using it to be a prosecuting attorney to put a criminal behind bars. So here's someone who knows how to trick and how to this and how to that and it can be used to steal money from other people or it can be used to uphold justice. And the children grow up. I want, I want to say one chidush which I think is very powerful and we'll end with this. The word vayigdelu means and they became big. I'd like to use the word vayigdal to mean and they were magnified. Sometimes the traits and the elements that are sitting there beneath the surface of a child, when it comes time for adulthood, when they become their own people, when they're no longer expressions of their parents' house, of their parents themselves, they then beget, they get to show who they are. And there's a magnification of internal character traits. However, the magnification of those traits doesn't mean that the child was necessarily evil from before. It means that there's an expression of that thing that comes out later. Who's the parallel of Esav? Where we find almost exactly this idea, but it playing out in the opposite way. A child that's also born with red hair. A child perhaps that's also rejected in his parents' home. And that is David HaMelech. David HaMelech is born Admoni. Admoni can carry someone, the sign of blood, the sign of someone who can be a murderer, if you will. But David HaMelech becomes not a murderer, but a warrior to protect his people. He becomes someone who channels it in the most appropriate of ways. Esav, on the other hand, becomes the person that he becomes. Never should a person think that his character traits, his uh, destiny is written in the stars, that you know what, other people are just born kind. Other people are just born patient. Other people are just born with a good nature, but me, I don't know what you want from me. There used to be a song, I don't know if you remember, it goes, from the day I was born, the nurses all gathered round, and they gazed in wide wonder at the joy they had found. The head nurse spoke up, she said, leave this one alone. She could tell right away, I was bad to the bone. Remember that? I was bad to the bone. They used to play it. They used to play it at the, at the, uh, base, at the basketball games. I was bad to the bone. Judaism does not believe that there's such a concept that someone is bad to the bone. Judaism believes that there isn't a bad bone in a person's body, but rather that a person has character traits that can be developed in a beautiful way, or, or unfortunately, in a way that will lead him down another path. And the children were magnified, and Esav became one thing, and Yaakov became another. Rabotai, the job never ends. Pay attention to your children. Notice, witness what's happening for them. And especially if you notice that they're entering into perhaps a little bit of a challenging thing, or if you notice something, a streak which is very powerful for them, something about their character trait, which is bolet, which stands out, figure out ahead of time how to give it positive expression. You will bless me for this advice. You will bless the Torah for this lesson. Be'ezrat Hashem Hashem should uh, uh, allow us to be able to be witness to our children growing and ma being magnified in the most beautiful of ways. Yoshev or Halim me'atav ar-olam. Rabbi Chananya ben Akasha Omer. Atzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. Fikach Ibalim Torah Mitzvot.